Welcome back to episode four of the New Levels Coaching Podcast, a very special episode this week whereby we're not in our usual setting for our podcast. In fact, we're in the mountains for this episode. This is an episode that was pre-recorded with Team NLC athlete Justin Page when we were competing at the Kranz Montana UTMB event over in Switzerland. The idea of this episode is to give you a bit of an insight into the UTMB journey, in particular, Justin's UTMB journey in 2022 and 2023. We wanted to educate and inspire, particularly anybody who's thinking about getting into trail running and give you a lot more information into the world of UTMB, which I'm sure lots of you have heard about. So if you're thinking about taking up trails or you want to hear more about UTMB, then sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Kranz, Montana. You can see the mountain views behind us. James has finished the 50k in Wild Struble here today. But I'm joined by Justin. Welcome, Justin. Hello. And we're going to chat all things UTMB. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, or you may never have heard the phrase UTMB. What does it stand for? What is it? If you're in the trail and mountain running world, you have a very, very good idea of what we're talking about. But maybe you just heard about it on social media. You might have seen it on YouTube. We wanted to unpick that, and I picked the perfect person <laughs> because Justin is an athlete who I coach and I support, and fortunately, I had the privilege to coach him to the MCC at UTMB this year, and we will also unpick the MCC, the OCC, the CCC, all the different CCCs and Cs <laughs> that go with UTMB, and Justin will be the perfect man to explain the experience behind it, and also we're going to get a little bit of detail about the training into it and what is required in order to be there, particularly if you're looking to go there next year. So Justin, to kick us off, how was the UTMB experience this year? Uh, pretty amazing, again. It's uh, such a carnival atmosphere. It's just great to be in an environment with like-minded people and uh, just to enjoy the mountains with these type of, sort of similar thinking people. And yeah, an absolute joy to be there. You, I think if I asked you deep down you'd describe yourself as a mountain person i think you know that that's the type of person you're describing is that people love being in that environment like-minded positive vibe all of that and is that does that kind of translate throughout the week because you raced on the monday mcc and the, the main utmb race doesn't start till the friday what's it like being there even all during the week so it feels like a crescendo so you arrive on a sunday and, and as you arrive the town just comes alive on sunday and then you have your race, you finish that. And then normally in a race or in a festival like this, kind of just tapers off. But it just starts to build. So then on a Tuesday, you have the other races starting. And then you're joining with the festival. And then you start to see all the professional athletes, the, the other athletes, and the, their excitement and, you just, and your race. And kind of the whole thing just crescendos to the end of the week until the, the final race. Nice. Yeah. And, and it is a crescendo with that music playing and exactly. everyone there at the finish. <laughs> But like any great story, I think we should go back to the start and backtrack. Because you mentioned again, the words again, because you have done UTMB before. You did the MCC there last year as well. Um, but what I want to do is I want to kind of unpick it a little bit and give our viewers a bit of an insight into the process behind qualifying for UTMB and what it actually is. So could you explain to them in, your, in the best possible way, what is UTMB? So UTMB is the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. And that's the original race where you run around Mont Blanc, and it's 177 kilometers um, and about 10,000 meters of vert, depending on what, what year it is and what course it tends to prevail due to weather conditions, enclosures, etc. 
And then as a spin-off from that, they then developed the CCC, which is then uh, a 100-kilometer race and about uh, 6,000 meters of climbing. Um, and that's the CCC stands for uh, Cormier, Champlac, and then Chamonix. So that's the sort of the towns you'll go through to, to back to Chamonix. And that's where they have kind of the main aid stations, the main points on the exactly. class. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and then following on from that, they also have a few other races called the TDS and the PTL. Um, the TDS uh, is a race that starts uh, in Cormier, but then goes the opposite way around to the UTMB. Um, and it's about 140 k's, and it's a bit more technical, um, and also stays predominantly in France. Um, so it starts in Italy and then finishes in France. Whereas the UTMB will cover, will start in France, go through Italy, into Switzerland, and then back into France. And then the CCC starts in Italy, goes to Switzerland, and comes back to Chamonix, France. And then after that, you've got the OCC, which is Osier, Champulac, Chamonix. So that starts in Switzerland and then comes back over the mountains into Chamonix. And that's uh, 50Ks and about 3,500 meters of climbing, I think. Just give a fair whack. Yeah. 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 And then after that, you have a few other races. I think the, there's the MCC, which I've been doing the last couple of years, which is predominantly, it was built for volunteers who helped out with the main races and for people who live within this region who couldn't get into the UTMB races. Um, it's quite a hard lottery to get into. The system's changed slightly now. Um, so these guys are sort of rewarded with the chance to run the UTMB experience, but you know, in the NCC, which stands for Martinicom to Chamonix. So, and that is around about 40Ks and 2,500 meters of climb. So still a, a good, you know, if, if you're thinking of that as a marathon, 40k so 42ks is your general marathon distance but this is a marathon in the mountains and with that amount of elevation that's going to make it a much longer time on feet race so i didn't want to go into too much detail about your result in the mcc because we'll come on to that um but as you mentioned you kind of qualify for that race because uh you you are a local you live in the mountains so you are based in germany uh, obviously British descendant, but you, you live in Germany and you also have a base in Morsey, which is in the French Alps. So does that does that qualify you or is there, are there other things that you have to do in order to secure your spot on that start line? For the MCC, as uh, long as I'm a resident or a volunteer, UTMB, I can qualify for that race. Um, you can now qualify maybe with press work or uh, elite work. Um, but it's, yeah, that's the only way in the MCC. Okay, and... If someone's thinking, right, how do I get into UTMB? Because I think the only one we might not have mentioned was the ETC, which is pretty new, oh, isn't it? Yes, the fifteen k one, which is the one I looked at, and I think at the moment that's a first come first serve basis where you can enter online. Um, but I, I really liked your Instagram post this morning, where you're like, "It's stone season. It's like we're collecting stones." <laughs> Because that is what UTMB have created. They've created this collection of stones in order to enter the other races, which we'll go on to in a little bit more detail. Uh, but before we do, if people are thinking, like you were at some point, I want to get into trail racing, I want to get into the mountains, and I might want to go to a UTMB event and start collecting some stones. Like, what is that transition like? Because obviously it's been a big transition for you, because to give people a little bit of background, you're a sub-three marathon runner, uh, and you do a lot of road marathons. And you've never really experimented with a track, but maybe we will one day. <laughs> but a lot of your running was done on the roads. Is that fair to say? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So what went through your mind? Why did you make that transition? What tempted you in? Um, 
So whilst I was doing a lot of the marathon training, a lot of my friends who are based out here were all trail runners, and they kept on saying that you should try, try trail running. I was so focused on sort of running sub three, and I was very much I wanted to hit these targets, and that was my main goal. And then during COVID, there were no races on it except for trail races. They were they were the first ones to come back, and I just decided, okay, I'll just run a couple of trail races, see how it felt. Just got some good results and really, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. It changed the dynamics of training for me and not pounding the pavement, not, you know, constantly grinding the, the clock and watch, watching and feeling like you, you have to hit, you know, the case bits every time. It just felt free, you know, minimal structure. You would set me a program which would be like, okay, just go run to this time and enjoy the trails, the vert, you know, in, in a zone which is comfortable. And this was absolutely life-saving. It was an eye-opener. It just and it suited where I live. It was perfect. So the enjoyment just grew and grew and grew. The trail races results came in, and suddenly UTMB came on the radar, and, and it just escalated like that, you know. And I couldn't get into UTMB because I didn't qualify. I qualified. But I didn't realize I had qualified. And then by the time I had realized, they, they just changed the system. So I applied for the MCC. And then because it took me another year to start collecting our stones, um, I've gone to the MCC again. Um, and mainly because it was the experience to run in this festival and also to get to know the Chamonix Trails so I'm ready for when I do hopefully one day get into the UTMB. You, you're scaring me now as a coach. You say, I might get to the UTMB once at a time. Let's go CCC first. Or CC, maybe. But that's the conversation we're having already about next year. We're planning ahead. And I think that's one thing to say. It's really important to plan ahead, particularly if you're going to do this series, the UTMB, and you're looking into 2024 because the qualification process makes you do that. But I also think it's a really good kind of insight for looking to how to plan any season for any runner to look ahead even a year to have that big cycle of training and to break that down into maybe meso cycles six months three months one month all the way down to your short-term goals so that it's process building over time and it gives you a focus doesn't it so before we go into the stones and we go into a bit more detail on that and we kind of break that down you said something that's really interesting you know it's your environment the mountains and we know you love your skiing your ski touring uh, and it's good in the winter that you can get that training in but in the summer, it's on your doorstep. But what about for those who are thinking, well, I don't live in the mountains, but I would love to give this a go. What recommendations would you have for them if they don't have it on the doorstep? To running in this sort of environment? Yeah, or maybe even getting used to it. How do they How do they get used to it? How do they condition themselves? Or how do they even start? Where do they? What do they have to look for? I mean, just getting on hilly terrain and back out on the trails. I mean, getting used to running on multiple different surfaces. And then even like in the forests in the UK, you've got routes which can replicate like rocky terrain when you're descending. Absolutely. So yeah. just getting out into the forest, getting out into hilly terrain. I mean, you could run a hilly road um, course and that would, that would start to feel a bit like running on the trails, be a transition from downhill to uphill and, and mileage, you know? So but I think the key thing is just to get out in the hills in the UK and, Hills in the UK is quite, quite sharp and short, and they 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 will condition you to what's out here. And then out here, you just have to prolong these you know efforts, and long uphill, long downhill. Generally, getting out there, practicing in the trails in the mountains in the UK, but also conditioning, which is the thing for me in the last two years, is actually working in strength and conditioning, your core, your quads, 
during the winter months, I get that from skiing. I don't realize how lucky I am in that sense. And I also get the vert training. Um, but then in the spring, I tend to let that go. And I find by midsummer, you know, I've kind of lost that strong pull I had. So having the S&C stuff with you guys allows me to maintain that until the next winter. So it's great. Yeah. I think that strength and conditioning is a crucial point. We build that strength and conditioning to allow us to then do the training or, you know, tackle. You keep referring to the word vert, and it was something that I wasn't familiar before I went to, to trail running. Now it's in kind of every session description that I put for people. Vert means, you know, we're kind of talking about the elevation there, the, the vertical climbs and how much of it is in uh, each either training run or race that you do. And to give you a bit of an insight into that, we're here in Crans, Montana at the minute, and James has ran the 50K, as I mentioned earlier, and he had 3,300 metres worth of elevation climbing. That's just the up, not including the better down. That's relating it to the vert. How much vert is there on the course? And James doesn't live in the hilliest of areas at home. He's, he's been based in Nantwich in the UK, which is Midlands, based over towards Cheshire. And we had to adapt his training. We had to look at the treadmill. We had to go to the peaks and meet each other there. But like you said, we had to think a little bit outside the box with his conditioning as well. And he came off the race today. He's finished six, which is a fantastic incredible. run. Absolutely incredible run. And he said he was surprised at how his legs held up. And that was testament to the training he did and, and what he did as well. So it shows you don't have to necessarily live here in the mountains to do it. But I do think you have to make a conscious effort and you have to be aware of what you're doing. Yep. Because we, I know you've said to me before, you see people come who are inexperienced and they just think, oh, it's just a trail run. And it's not, is it, when you get to Chamonix? It really isn't. No, there's consequences. You know, there are technical terrain. If you fall, I mean, the guys today in the top three, they all fell. You know, no, it's a 55k, so you're not running like extremely fast, but you're running fairly good speed. Um, and even James, he fell on a flat, a flat section. You know? Yeah. So you just have to be, you change your technique more, adjust to it, and yeah, you have to be more adapted to it. And, you have to respect the mountains, you know. Conditions change very quickly, or the terrain can be... I've been in races where I've often thought that the terrain's quite consequential. You know, if you slip, you're going to have a, quite a long tumble, and that will end up in quite, you know, some injuries or significant injuries. So you do have to respect it, and be sure-footed, you know, even when you're fatigued. You know, I've taken tumbles in races where I've just been so tired and I can't get my foot over the rock and I've just fallen over. So I think that comes down against the strength and conditioning. Yeah. You know, constantly work at that in the winter, really for the spring. And I think along with that is that the strength and conditioning allows you to do that work and, like you say, being strong and also then the specificity of getting on that terrain when you can and practice, exactly. practice, practice, isn't it? Even yeah. if it's only a small amount, like you said, even if you've only got uh, a short, sharp, steep hill where you live. Like I did one-minute hill reps. And I was running up and down this really kind of rooty, rocky path in the woods and it was really good. I went up 20 times, like back up and down, up and down. Exactly. I mean, that conditions you for the climbing and for the descending. Yeah. And I think the, the key thing is, is to have it vary. So, for example, at the beginning of this sort of training cycle, we had tempos on the roads. We had, you know, the hilly sort of vert training as well. And then, you know, then we had the long runs, which was mixed. You know, every I do it every week, other week, road, long run, or a long, big mountain run. So... I think the key is for this is to have it sort of varied so your body is adjustable when everything up and down and traversing. Yeah, because that's what the race is, isn't it? It's like, it's not a marathon where you're locked into one rhythm or a 5K where you go, and like you said earlier, look at one kilometre splits every time. Yep. Your splits are going to vary. Like One minute you could be doing a 30-minute mile because you're walking up something. Next minute you could be flying down a descent. It's just so interchangeable as you go. I think the biggest thing 
the trails have taught me so far at the moment it's judgment like wherever you are so as you say you hit a hill and you're walking and you are going eight minutes okay and your heart rate is at 160 already and you know that's again too high for a 50k race so you have to back off so it's learning like assess the situation and make your judgment at that time i feel confident now to go back to the road potentially and now having this experience to maybe run a better marathon or half marathon or even longer road races you know and that's the thing i think there's a lot of learning you can take even as i have for a coach into the other disciplines and it's the races and we see people crossing over sports whether it's triathletes doing well in trail running or trail runners going to the roads or the track and doing well the beauty of it is that you're always learning and I think it's a great way to, to progress your running into barrier as well, as you said. Okay, let's go on to the, the stone chasing, as, as we've been describing it, or the stone season, because we <laughs> then had to map out your year, really, and say, so we're looking at 2024 and thinking, right, what does Justin need to do to qualify for an event at UTMB in 2024? And the, the two events we were looking at really were the OCC and the CCC. Yeah. So to do that, we then have to pick some UTMB events throughout the year because UTMB has their major event in Chamonix at the end of um, August time, early September. But throughout the year, they have a selection of races all around the world. If you go on their website, you can just look at the calendar and it's flooded with events. There's one in the UK currently, that's Snowdonia. There's going to be more apparently in 2024, but you do have to be a year ahead. So you have to collect your stones and your points, your index points, which we'll talk about in a second, kind of in 2023 to prepare and apply for 2024, which I think is good in some respects. But I also think it's quite harsh if you come into form in 2024 and you're not there. Um, But obviously, it's a model that works for them. So we mapped that out and we, we looked at that calendar. But what did that mean in terms of what do stones mean and what do the points mean? What do they mean to you? What do they mean to people at home? And then how do they equate to qualifying for these different events? Yeah, so the first thing you need to do is when you do a trial race, you, you then have an index, running index, and that would dictate what distance you can cover in one of the UTMB events. So, for example, this year specifically, I've been running 25 up to 40k races, which means then I could qualify for the, um, the OCC. And then if I go up to just shy of 50k, then I can qualify for the CCC in terms of running the distance. Yes. Then the second sort of criteria is you need to collect effectively, they, they call this stones, um, but it's one draw effectively. So for example, if I collect one stone, I could select a race and then I hopefully will be drawn before that I get one go. But if I get two stones, three stones, four stones, I'd have you know, three or four goes chances. And to collect these stones, you need to go to the World Series events, and depending on the distance you do, you get a certain number of stones. So the shorter race, you get one stone. The 50Ks, you get two stones. And then up to 100Ks, you get three stones. Or 177Ks, where you get four stones. And so then you need to sort of kind of pick your races throughout the year and then collect stones. Then hopefully at the end of the year, enter the number of stones you have so for example i have two stones i have two lot chances of the draw of picking the races i want so that's yeah. like a ballot draw so exactly it's yeah. a ballot your name goes in the ballot yeah. but if you've got three stones we're saying you've got three chances of getting drawn out exactly. so you've got more you're increasing your odds yeah of totally. doing that and you mentioned about going to a world series event anywhere around the world which they are you know you don't be happy frightened by the term world series it's not you don't have to be a world championship runner to enter these these world series events I'm right in saying that anybody of any ability can enter 
those World Series events, but they can't just enter the Chamonix event. Uh, they have to qualify for Chamonix. The other ones, they're open to people. They can get in there and start their qualification process. Exactly, yeah. So as soon as you run a race, the index indicates that you can then cover that distance, whichever race distance you just ran. And then once you get the stones, then that allows you then to enter these races. And then the UTMB website is quite good because it will show you, okay, you've now got the index to run these distances. And once you collect the stones, it's a traffic-like system where you're, so if you haven't done anything, you have a red light, and then when you get like half in, you have a yellow light, and when you qualify them with the stones, then have a green light, yeah, then you can apply in December. Amazing. So it sounds like a complicated process. I'm not going to lie. It is at first when you look at it. It's quite overwhelming. Um, but it's like anything. I always, I always kind of refer things back to revision at school. The more you do it, the more you get used to it, and then it kind of just stalls in your brain, and it's like, oh, I didn't know how to do that a while ago, and now I understand it. And it's the same with UTMB and their website. So get familiar with it. You know, if, if you're feeling like you're a bit overwhelmed, speak to somebody who you might know who's, who's been there. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Even our channel, uh, New Levels Coach on social media, you know, drop us a message. More than happy to provide a little bit of advice around there. But don't be scared. Don't let it put you off. Is what I'm saying. You know, if you want to go and do it, if you want to chase those dreams, those big goals, then why not start that process? And if you are keen to get on the trails. I, I love the UTMB brand. There's been a lot of kind of controversial conversations over the last two years about the transition to Ironman buying it out and different sponsors, but I love what they're doing with it and it is an inclusive brand and they're trying to be more inclusive. Totally. I mean, like if you look at the top end, the way they have included sort of equal prize money for women and men now, and then the prize money also goes to the top 10, not just the top three, but every race. Um, they are looking at bringing in an adaptive discipline next year. Yeah, and that's that. fantastic. Yeah. So and it is an all-encompassing atmosphere, and it does feel no matter if you're a professional or elite or someone who's just going to walk. The, there are people who walk it the whole way. You know, they come back from an injury and they, they can't run it. They still walk it because they've got in. It's a chance yeah. of a lifetime. You know, it's, it's very inclusive, and it's a, it's a it's an experience you can never ever experience. I think elsewhere when you're in the trail running community. I've been to Chamonix once for UTMB week and it was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. I was blown away. I didn't really know what it was at the time. It was pre-COVID and from that moment on I kind of got sucked in and drawn into this whole trail environment and I absolutely love it. And UTMB have made some mistakes in the past. They'll openly admit that but they're trying to correct those and I think that's a sign of a good organisation when they do that. Absolutely. They sit down and have conversations with people and say, okay, we'll recognise that it's not right and we need to put that right and that's good. I'm not saying they've been per per perfect in the past, but who is perfect? So I, I really like what they're trying to do. The adaptive stuff, I, I listened to a podcast about that. That was fantastic. You know, people who, amputees who are running around with prosthetic legs and now tackling UTMB or oh, a different distance. It's, it's so inspiring. Absolutely. So inspiring. And they've got the kids races. You said yep. the kids might be having a go at that next year. Absolutely, yeah. Amazing. So it, it really is a kind of a feel-good family atmosphere and a lot of people, as you said, are positive, like-minded. Right, let's go on to the MCC this year. So let's go into the actual UTMB. You mentioned what the week was like and you said, you know, fantastic, the vibes are great. Race day. I remember getting a text from you saying, it's going to be cold. S-H-I-T, it's going to be cold. <laughs> and I looked at the forecast and the forecast had turned and the storms had come in and there was forecast snow yeah. on the day of your race. And that was just mental in late August. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what's going through your mind there? And also, what then? how does that change your strategy in terms of what do you have to pack? 
is there rules around that and then what is going in your bag and what is going through your mind to get yourself ready for that yeah so when you sign up you get all the information sent through to you and you're explain to you, okay, you have a cold weather kit, your warm weather kit, and you'll be notified a few days before which kit to bring. Um, so when you register, they don't tell you there and then, okay, which kit it's going to be, but they will check your basic kit. And then, I think it was about 24 hours, they said, okay, it has to be cold weather kit this year. Okay. So it was going to be, we were starting around about, uh, I think, 600 meters, and then we're going to be topping out at 2,400. And the snow line was at 2,000 meters. So they said, Cold weather kit, and you have to have it all in your bag. And there are random checks. Um, so yeah, I was kind of like, okay, fair enough. Need to uh, scramble some kit. I actually left a lot of my kit back in Germany because when we left, it was so warm. I just didn't. Well, think it was a heat wave, wasn't it? Exactly. Like, oh, massive heat wave. Yeah. And then followed by that. <laughs> so I sort of rang on my friend, said, look, can I borrow some tights? Can I borrow some, you know, a, a, a soft shell and all this? So I got it all together, and then yeah, just cheese uh, myself up. So cold weather kit, we're looking at tights, uh, waterproofs, soft shells, gloves, hat, all that's got to go in there. Yep. And also you have to double check your jacket. I mean, that's kind of a standard kit and it yeah. has to be a, you know, a certain amount of waterproofness. Um, and then they advise you to wear like a marina wall base layer. Um, so rather than wearing a, a t-shirt or a vest, you'd wear that underneath your soft shell. Um, I'm just trying to think what else was there. Your first, there was nothing else apart from that, I think, yeah. So then mandatory kit is things like even first aid stuff in there, your whistle, blankets, blankets all that has to go in. And, and, and how much fluid you should carry is really important. And, and I think it's really it's really good habits to create anyway, even in training, to get totally. used to taking it out. I've been out in the mountains, even in the Lake District, the Peak District at home. You go out, beautiful sunny day, and then next minute, boom, things turn. And you're like, oh my God, I'm in a vest. But if you've got all that in there, you're safe and it's not sometimes just about you it's sometimes who you're running with as well totally it, you could be protecting somebody who maybe has had a bad accident or something so i always think it's better to have too much or be over prepared than to try and skimp yeah absolutely. yeah so mcc um i think as a coach it was your best moment it was certainly you know my i'm not gonna say actually my proudest moment because i don't just judge the athletes on their results um they make me proud. Sometimes it's it's not even a running achievement that they make me proud of. They're, people achieve things in life that are amazing outside of running. I think we should celebrate all of that. But it certainly was a moment that stopped me in my tracks and thought, wow, that is really impressive. The people you were beating and, and mixing it with. So how many people started the MCC roughly? Um, I think it was 1,100 people who started who made it to the start line. Yeah. Um, and obviously then a lot of people dropped out sort of in the snow level uh, or just before. So over a thousand runners at the start, a lot of them at the front are pros, you know, pretty much the top 10. Um, we saw the guy today who was uh, on the podium and yeah. then podiumed again today, pretty much a professional trail runner now. So where was your finishing position and how did that compare to where you were hoping to finish? So I was trying to compare to last year, but the course also got changed um, at the last minute. So kind of decided to rejig this and base it on time rather than positioning and I felt like if I could get a top 50 place then that would oh, sorry I felt like if I could get a sort of five hour time that would get me a top 50 place yeah. um, and I decided and we worked a plan which would be around about five hours um, I felt fantastic that week I, training had gone so well since the injury and then coming into it and then I had an amazing block I just felt okay five hours would be probably 
my slower time and I you know we discussed it okay 455 hours um and so I thought yeah top 50 would be nice because I came within the top 50 last year um, and I think second my age cap I was hoping another podium on my age cap um yeah I didn't realize how strong the field was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was to be said for every single event at UTMB. Yeah, the absolutely. level has gone up. The interest has gone up. Trail running is booming. The standard has risen across the board. Everybody's saying it from the pros to people who are getting it from the first time. It's just gone up a level. So five hours of the target. I actually worked things out and we had that discussion. I was quite confident you could go inside five hours, but the, we, we worked out a rate and the timings. And at the first checkpoint, I knew you were up on that time quite significantly, but I also know that in the mountains, you're very good at judging your race. Yep. That gave me a whole heap of confidence because what a lot of people didn't know is just had a little Achilles uh, niggle in just the last week, but actually that held him back in his taper. And I think you just went into it completely fresh in a good place and you absolutely smashed it. So where did you finish up in terms of that five hour barrier? How much did you crush that by? Uh, I did four hours, I came four hours, 15. 16, four hours 16. Um, and I finished up in 69th place, I think fourth overall in my age cap. Um, I, I was initially very disappointed with the, the positioning because I, I felt like I had just ran the best race I've ever ran. Finishing an hour ahead of your sort of predicted time in those conditions, I, I couldn't believe it. And then I started seeing other people coming behind me and I realized, okay, with the level of finishes behind me, this is a really good result. And then two days later, when I got my index, which is the, the grading of that race, I realized I'd done very well. So I was really happy with that. And what was that index score compared to your other scores? It's like another 30, 40 points. So it just shows the shift in position was, you know, quite big. It showed the field was very competitive. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, the time absolutely smashed it out of the park. It was like nearly 45 minutes quicker, which was amazing. And when Justin said to me, I feel a little bit disappointed with the position, I... I kind of said back, look, you're going to be some really good people here, really good people. That The depth was insane. And I knew from the rate of calculations based on the speed of travel that he'd gone faster in that race than he'd ever gone before, despite it being the most, probably the most challenging race he'd ever done, maybe more in similar kind of a level. So I was absolutely made up. But I was surprised that that didn't podium, considering the year before you'd been second. But that's when things are out of your control, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I would have been in the top 10 last year at the same, same time. Amazing. So it, yeah. it just shows you the difference, yeah. So you would have been top 10 in 2022. It was 69th, was it, yeah. you say, in 2023. So the depth is now just, it's just expanded, hasn't it? It really yeah. has. And I think that's where kind of I want to take it is we, I feel like we prepped as well as we ever could this year. I know a lot more about this world now. Um, I think you do as well. And you know your body and your person. What were some of the key ingredients in that training block that you feel like really made the difference? Um, the specific hill training, uh, the intervals we had, so the kind of like a tempo effort up and down and then and a slight break and doing it again, the repetitiveness of that. This allowed me to then to be able to transition from descending after 10Ks then to climbing in the next 5Ks. So that really helped. And then... Most of the long runs this year were in the mountains, so my climbing times were way quicker than last year. So the, the first climb was 14 minutes this year, whereas last year it was just over an hour. And we were aiming for an hour for that first climb. And I wasn't pushing. I was within my sort of tempo zone. I was holding back 
I saw the lead group go and I was tempted to go with them. I just completely backed off and learned just to trust yourself and trust the plan we had in place. Amazing. And I, I would echo that. We, some people refer to them as like Kenyan hills, but ultimately what they mean is running up the hill and running down the hill. You've got to get those big, specific long runs in there in the mountains. Probably fair to say the year before, because you were still training a little bit for marathon, we were mixing that up. But this year we went, nope, we're going all in. They're going to be done. They're going to get big climbs in there, get that vert, as, as we spoke about. And it did make a whole, whole, you know, a total world of difference, I think, as a coach. And I know you felt it as an athlete. Totally, like averaging 3,500 metres of vert every week really made a big difference. So. Yeah. And I guess that's a message for a lot of people is, if you're going to go to trail running, do, don't be afraid to go specific as well. You know, don't be afraid to, to go hilly. Don't be afraid to try out the trails. Um, I think a lot of people, it's good to vary it still, as Justin said. Um, but don't be worried about the pace. Don't be worried about going slow and going on the hills. It really, really does help. And getting that climbing in your legs is, is so, so important. I've got a couple of quick fire questions because I know um, our team puts them together before, <laughs> before we came out here. And I picked a few of them out. One of them was... Um, your photo line finish was amazing. You yeah. had like a fist pump, and I seen it on the live stream, so I knew you were happy with the time when I seen that. What was going through your mind when you crossed that finish line? To the, you know, when that moment was captured, what were you thinking? <laughs> Honestly, I thought it wasn't staring down here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just couldn't believe the time. An hour better than last year, and 45 minutes better than what we had hoped. I was just so happy. And the feeling of, being in control, I've never had that feeling, never in a marathon where I always feel like I'm on the edge. I'm always trying to hit these K splits. In the NTC this year, I just felt I was in control. Climbing up, I was with groups. I'd let him go. I'd come back. I'd catch him up. I never lost the place. You know, I just made my way through the field. I just felt within control. And for that reason, only finishing the line, just, I was like, that was lovely. And it's so special and iconic, that finishing Chamonix, isn't it? Oh, it's it's... It's such a humbling experience running in the mountains, you know, it does bring you to tears when you get to that line and you've got your family there. It is iconic. What makes it even more special, it's 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 the the humblingness of the the the, the courses. It's they are hard and you look at something and you think, Oh, we've got to go up there and I could see I could hear people that start like realising that the climb they've had to do and you can see the snow line and it they were terrified. But when they got to the finish line you could see that it's not impossible yet. And that's what's amazing about that finish line. I always like that. It's humbling. It's a leveler. It just levels people. Yeah. And I like that about the, the mountains. Brill, I'm going to ask you for some one word answers, some quick fire one word <laughs> answers. Um, can you describe the MCC in one word? Fun. Fun. <laughs> can you describe UTMB in one word? Unique. Could you describe your training block in one word? Buried. <laughs> and could, could you give one piece, not one word, one piece of advice to anybody who's thinking, I would like to do UTMB or have a crack at it? Don't be intimidated. Go for it. You will be in an amazing environment. So, yeah, enjoy it. Get out there. On that note, I'm going to end it there because I can't put any cherry on top of that. So thank you, Justin. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that at home. There'll be a lot more coming your way, but that hopefully gives you an insight into the trail running world, the mountain running world, and UTMB itself.